Welcome to another very special edition of For Her, an ongoing series from Shoe Palace and Nike, where we're illuminating female leaders in the Black and Latinx community who are actively making change in their world around them. On this episode, we focus on a very important topic, something so essential in our daily lives, mental health and wellness. We're joined by our good friends at Black Girl Smile. Founder Lauren Carson brings her inspirational and motivational energy that has propelled her to a place as leading writer and speaker on mental health. As Lauren tells, Black Girl Smile has built a platform to provide education and resources for African-American females in efforts to see that they lead healthy, balanced, and productive lives. It is some quality insight and a conversation we're all better off to experience. With that in mind, here is episode five of For Her with Black Girls Smile, founder Lauren Carson. And be sure to subscribe to For Her wherever you listen to your podcast to get every episode as they drop. I'm going to be filling in for Natalia today during this episode. Is everybody doing okay? Everybody good? Is that food good? Blended. <laughs> Love it. Those donuts look good. I know. Oh, real good. Um, so I'm a radio host. I am big sneakerhead here in California, and I'm just really excited to talk with Deanna and Lauren today. Yay. Lauren, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, I am here from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, came in for you guys, and um, I am the executive director and founder at Black Girl Smile Inc. We focus on mental health education and resources geared towards young black girls like yourselves. So today's pillar is mental health, uh, which is a really important topic in both sport and community. Um, in a collaborative space like team, family, or neighborhood, it's really important for everyone to have a healthy and honest relationship with mental health. Super important. I think we learned that, especially during the pandemic, right? <laughs> um, so by sharing our stories like Lauren has, uh, we encourage and inspire the people on our team, uh, and they can do the same for us. So we're really excited for this uplifting and empowering conversation today. Um, Lauren, tell us about your journey and finding Black Girl Smile. What were some of the obstacles you encountered? Yeah, so um, similar to you guys, I was, uh, I still consider myself a black girl, probably more in the black woman category now. Um, but at, at 15 years old, I was diagnosed with clinical depression. Um, I had started acting out in school. Um, my relationship was uh, really tumultuous with my parents, and I'd always had a really good relationship with my parents, with my siblings. Um, academically, I was starting to struggle as well. And these were things to a lot of people that just seemed like teenage angst. Um, but in all actuality, I was struggling with clinical depression and anxiety. Um, so my parents um, had me evaluated and I was diagnosed at that time, um, which you, you hear quite commonly in African-American community, but other marginalized communities as well. I found out that mental illness ran in my family and it was not anything that had ever been discussed. Um, it had never been disclosed to me that I was at risk of experiencing mental health issues. Um, I started seeing a therapist and I went off to college and I didn't have things in place to ensure that I stayed mentally healthy and well. At that point, I, was I had just seen a therapist in, in high school, 
Hadn't told any of my friends, my coaches. No one outside of my immediate family knew I was struggling with depression. So went off to college and I had my first suicide attempt my first year of college. I was playing Division I basketball. Um, or I more so, I say I was on the team. I wasn't necessarily playing. I looked good on, you know, on ESPN, but I wasn't actually on the court. Um, had my first suicide attempt. And honestly, everyone just kind of acted like, hey, we're just going to get back to normal. And then the second, two years, a uh, year later, so my second year in, in college, the same thing happened again. And as crazy as it sounds, I decided I wanted to live. And to do that, I was going to have to make some serious changes in, in my life in regards to my mental health. And um, started individual therapy, um, group therapy, started really focusing on my mental health, um, that meant recognizing my triggers, focusing on my coping skills. I realized I had horrible coping skills, um, self-care methods. And when I got out of college, um, I moved to New York. I just really just wanted to volunteer. Um, that's kind of the young professional thing to do. You volunteer, give back. And I wasn't finding anything that spoke to young black girls as it pertained to mental health. Um, so I decided that I was going to work to fill that gap. And for the last 10 years, that's what I've been doing with Black Girl Smile. Love that. It's an amazing story. What does the name Black Girl Smile mean to you? Um, for me, it means joy. I think that too often um, society tries to depict Black women and girls as angry, um, depict us in ways that we are not worthy um, to experience joy, to be happy, to live full lives. Um, we are taught by society, but also within our families to take care of everyone else before ourselves, um, whether that's our siblings, our cousins, our friends. And with Black Girl Smile, I, I wanted to start to change the narrative when we talk about mental health. Mental health is too, for too long been associated specifically with mental illness and had a really negative connotation. And in all actuality, we all struggle with mental health issues at some point in our lives. Um, and we all have mental health. So to lead a mentally healthy life means that you experience joy, um, that you're able to navigate the difficult times. You guys are all still here after the pandemic, so you've just done that. Um, and for me, Black Girl Smile is something that's kind of our birthright. Our birthright is to smile and to experience joy. And, and that's really what we advocate for with Black Girl Smile. Oh, I love that. What do you think is the first step to a healthier mentality? Um, first step. Uh, I think the first step is addressing stigma. Um, stigma is a huge issue um, within overall society, but specifically within the African-American community. In many instances, our parents don't want to talk about it. Um, you know, kind of referencing my personal journey, my dad's, my dad's a physician. You know, I, I feel like this is an open space, so I'm, I'm going to be candid with you guys. My dad's a physician. What that means is at some point in his career, he went through a psychiatric rotation. And even in the midst of me telling you I was diagnosed at 15, I had suicide attempts, my dad thought I was a diva. He thought that mental illness isn't something black people do, that it is a sign of weakness, that I just, 
that I just had really bad coping skills. I didn't know how to deal with difficult stuff. It took him probably when I was 25, maybe, to realize that I really struggled with a mental health issue. Um, and why that's important is in many instances, even if someone else perceives us in a specific way pertaining to our mental health, we start to internalize that. We start to have self-stigma. I didn't feel comfortable sharing with my friends or my family members or my tribe. You know, I was playing basketball. I'm with these women every day. They had no idea that I was having suicidal thoughts because I did not feel comfortable opening up about the things that I was experiencing. So stigma is a huge issue for us to navigate personally so that we can get to a place of really evaluating what do I need to change in my life so I can lead a mentally healthy life. Yeah. Lauren, what would you say is like the start to kind of finding that out about yourself? Because I think um, a lot of us, to your, to your point, you kind of indicated the pandemic has brought a lot of that to light. Yeah. Um, and for people that don't know, like, where to go, where to start, like how do I identify some of my issues or challenges or thoughts? Like what, what would you give as like the first or second step in kind of that journey of exploring your, your own mental health? Yeah, um, I think starting to recognize your triggers um, and starting to recognize your coping skills. Just being candid, a lot of us have really bad coping skills. And what that means is when difficult things happen to you, when you go through a breakup, when you have a family member who's sick, when someone is coming at you sideways in school or at work, how do you handle those situations? Because in all reality, that's gonna happen in life. But how you handle those difficult situations really says something about your mental health and well-being mm -hmm. in regards to how well you can handle those situations and realize that in many instances, it has nothing to do with you. How other people interact with you, how people react to you, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with you, but how you react to that, that that's what you have control of. Mm -hmm. So really starting to recognize how do I react to difficult situations, um, but also, re again, recognizing your triggers. What are, the, what are the things, what are the people in your lives that really start to make you feel anxious, yeah. start to make you remember traumatic experiences, mm -hmm. Um, so once we can start to recognize those things, we have a baseline and we're able to say, OK, I recognize that this person is a trigger for me. Mm -hmm. How can I come up with healthy ways to communicate or to interact with that person? Does it even have anything to do with them? Is there some unaddressed trauma or unaddressed experiences that I need to start to navigate? Mm. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you played basketball. So how do mental health and sport interact? Um, so, uh, in, in a few different ways. I would say, one, it, it can be a protective factor. So, what I mean by protective factors, we have risk factors, and those are things that make us more susceptible to experiencing mental health issues. Um, that could be, you know, family history. It could be not having access to recreational activities, things like that. Um, but the flip side of that is going to be protective factors. So those are things that decrease your likelihood of experiencing mental health issues. Having access to recreational um, activities, have it, feeling connected and grounded, feeling like you have a sense of community um, can really help you decrease the likelihood of experiencing mental health issues overall. So sports is a great way for us to um, you know, bolster our protective factors. The flip side of that though, is there's a lot of pressure that we experience mm. when it comes to sports. Yeah. Um, 
pressure that we feel from our families, pressure that we feel from maybe our teammates or our coaches, but then also that pressure that we start to put on ourselves. So making sure that we have a healthy level of um, engagement with that pressure and we're, we're constantly checking in with ourselves as well to make sure, you know, how am I doing in regards to all this pressure? I don't know if you guys have seen, but things are going on right now with Ben Simmons. And Mm -hmm. he's stepping away from basketball. And he's one of the first NBA players that has said, look, I'm not doing well with the pressure that's being put on me. I'm not being able to perform. And it's starting to impact my mental health and well-being. So we have to start to have more of those conversations around the pressure that young women, specifically young black women, go through when it comes to sports. Because the pressure we put on ourselves and society, again, coaches, parents, isn't always the healthiest. So we've got to find a healthy balance of that. Big time, for sure. Naomi Osaka is another one that did that. Simone Biles. Simone Biles, yeah. I think it's great to see um, people with a platform like that taking that action because I think to your point, there's so much pressure put around. And especially at that level, um, I can't even imagine some of the things that they're dealing with. So for them to be able to do that, I think it's really um, powerful to see them make that you know, at the forefront of a message to people like us, right, sitting here today. So. Big time. And I think what's really, really cool. key that, we're, that, we, that we get from these instances is they're putting themselves first. Mm. That is not something we see often among mm-hmm. black women and girls, is to make that decision to say, look, I'm going to do what's best for me. Yep. I respect them so much for making these decisions, from stepping away from money, from stepping away from criticism, um, to just really realize and, and prioritize what is best for their mental health and well-being. Yep. And they're just going to let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Right. That leads me to this. How do you think society's perspective on mental health has changed? Mm. You know, because people are paying attention now, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we still have a ways to go. Um, we still have a ways to go, but I definitely think that the pandemic has started to move us forward. Um, we are starting to recognize that mental health of students is really important, that that's something that schools need to start to put more resources in um, and find more creative ways to interact with students. Um, I was on a listening session uh, this past week and it was with students like yourselves and they were talking about how they didn't necessarily feel comfortable opening up to their counselor or their social worker. Well, some of the things that you guys are actually doing here in California is looking at adding a peer counseling component. So you may have people who are in your school who have gone through lived experience like myself, who you may feel more comfortable opening up to about the things that you experience. We're also seeing that in corporate America as well, starting to see a shift in focusing on mental health, providing more resources to employees, to managers. Um, I mean, we've all gone through a trauma. We've all probably gone through individual traumas during this period of time, but we've also gone through a collective trauma. And it's gonna take some time to heal from this. And the best ways to do that is to address it as as quickly as possible, um, head on, and to ensure that we put resources in place that help, you know, decrease any of the severity of the symptoms or the longevity of the things that we are going collectively have to deal with after the pandemic really comes to an end. I think that's a really great call out. It's like we've been through this kind of collective trauma. The the next layer on that is the level of social injustice we've seen, right, over the past. I mean, this has been going on forever, 
but has been highlighted obviously over the past couple years. How do you see that kind of intertwined with some of the challenges or thoughts around mental health and coping in, in a space that's now brought that to the forefront for a lot of our people, right? Yeah. Um, so something we know, and, and when I say we, that's like the behavioral health community. There's things that are known facts is that trauma is one of the biggest contributors to mental illness and mental health issues. So racial trauma falls within that category. Also, that I think is worth noting to you guys, secondary trauma also falls within that category. Secondary trauma is when you see something, you witness something, you've even digested content on social media, you have still seen a trauma. So if you, candidly, if you saw the killing of George Floyd, if you saw the shooting of Micaiah Bryant, you experienced a secondary trauma. So it's not, it's not uncommon for you to um, you know, have some warning signs and symptoms of PTSD after that. Yeah. Um, racial trauma is something that we have start, started to normalize here in this country. Um, it's something that uh, in, some, in, in some ways, specifically within our community, that there's a dialogue around, well, it's not as bad now as it used to be. Mm -hmm. um, but that negates and it um, invalidates the experiences that we have as young people, as millennials, 100%. as Gen Zers. I, I, are y'all Gen Zers? Is there another Gen? <laughs> Gen? Did they change? Yeah. <laughs> Changes we'll often. Go with that for today. But it invalidates <laughs> yeah. our experiences. There's a way to honor the experiences that our ancestors went through, um, but also to honor our experiences and start to move from a place of generational trauma to a place of generational healing. And through that is really addressing some of these injustices, um, the racial trauma, the PTSD that we continue to experience within our community, and the things that specifically black women and girls experience. Because the conversation around the passing of Micaiah Bryant was distinctly different than the conversation and the attention given to the passing of George Floyd. I'm not here to compare anybody's death, but I am here to say that black women and girls deserve better and deserve more. Um, and that, you know, that plays into mentally, are we not good enough? Do people not care about us in the same ways? So, you know, it, it's, it's a societal component, but it's also making sure we're checking in with ourselves to address any of the, the self you know, the self-deprecation or the self-stigma that we yes. start to embedded internalize in, mm -hmm. in regards to racial trauma. Yeah. Um, checking in on yourself is so important. <laughs> By it the is. way, that one just hit me. I was like, man, it's so important. It is. <laughs> and, and the secondary trauma, I, I'm glad, it's great to have a term to define yeah. that because exactly what you're saying, you consume all of this stuff on a regular basis, the news, feeds, it's stuff you don't even know. You're scrolling and you see kittens playing and all of a sudden you see someone being shot, you know, you don't even yeah. sometimes have a term for how you define that. So that was really great for me to hear kind of words around that. Since um, Finding Black Girls Smile, what's been your favorite experience? Um, so we run a therapy assistance program and um, I have to admit, I think that's been kind of one of my favorite programs because I get to so quickly see the impact um, that accessing therapy and directly 
addressing access issues. Like too often within our community, we don't have access to insurance. We don't have access to mental health professionals that look like us. And for us to be able to quickly and directly um, you know, address that through our therapy assistance program is, is just phenomenal to see, you know, emails coming in of people talking about PTSD, talking about sexual trauma, violence, things like that, that have occurred in their lives and not feeling like they have those resources. And for us to say, hey, we're going to help you um, ha has been really beautiful. Yeah. What inspires you to keep going when you're discouraged? I need this one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Um, <laughs> so when I talked about protective factors and self-care, um, giving back is, is a big component of that. Um, if you can think of any times that you've ever volunteered um, or you've, you've, done, you've really paid it forward or you've done something for someone, um, it feels good. So for me to directly be able to look at experiences that I've had that have been really painful, that have been really dark, and be able to impact others through those experiences and to give back is, is really what keeps me going, keeps me up at night. I have a two-year-old at home, so we put him down, and then I'm back to work. So um, I think just connecting to the work, knowing that the work is important, um, is really what keeps me going with Black Girl Smile. Because like I said, black girls, black women, we deserve better. And I think that organizations like Black Girl Smile are really um, at the forefront of, of addressing that and making sure that that is top of mind for others. For someone who's looking to seek some of those resources that you mentioned before, where do you tell them to start, right? Yeah. Like if you're a young woman, you have, you know, maybe limited resources in some way, where, where would you kind of direct someone to begin that journey in that space? Yeah, so I encourage people to um, first look at what resources you already have access to. Um, I don't know how, how it is within your schools, but I remember my school counselor, I thought sh she, she or he was just supposed to help me get into college Same. or you know, help with <laughs> my, my schedule. I didn't know that this was someone who could possibly help um, with, with issues that I was having in school, issues I was having outside of school, or even be able to connect me with other resources. So starting to evaluate what resources do you already have access to? Um, I also encourage people to, I encourage people after every talk I give, spend 15 minutes on your phone of knowing what resources are available in your area, specifically like crisis resources. We should not be clamoring for resources in the midst of a crisis. We should have already have an idea of what those are. Um, I actually have a resource sheet that I'll be passing out for you guys today. Um, and then last thing I will add with the resources is we want to make sure that we're not just accessing resources in a crisis. Um, just stick with me here. When you go to therapy or you go to, let's say, a mental health institution, whatever it is, in the midst of a crisis, you are only dealing with what is at hand. You're not dealing with how you got there. You're not dealing with the things that have happened in the past. You're not dealing with any of that other, those other things that have brought you to this point or are going to continue to hold you back. So if we access resources when everything is good, those are those times where, you know, I'm getting on the phone with my therapist. How's your day? Good. Okay. Well, let's get into things that happened with your childhood. Let's get into things that are triggering to you. 
those those are where the real breakthroughs happen is not is addressing our mental health and well-being outside of a crisis situation man i need to learn that <laughs> same <laughs> oh my gosh well lauren where can the girls uh, get more details on how to be a part of Black Girl Smile if they want to get involved. Yeah. Um, so our website, blackgirlsmile.org, um, our social media pages, um, and then I will also be handing out, like I said, a resource guide, and then I have a little booklet um, that we'll be going through for our, our quick workshop together today. Well, we're going to start this workshop, right? Awesome. All right. Yeah. Go ahead and get it going.